as Shannon comes to read the scripture this morning, notice and remember that we are in the midst of this study of the gospel of Matthew. And when Matthew was written, this people, these people had lost everything. The temple had been destroyed. The place of God had been completely burned to the ground. And they were lost. And yet through that comes these words that something else might come. Hear now God's word. But about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be in the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be left in the field. One will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together. One will be taken, and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. Holy Wisdom, Holy Word. I remember growing up, one of our favorite times was a time every Sunday night where we would do a number of things, particularly this time of year. We would always, you know, spend, Dad would build the fire in the fireplace and we would roast hot dogs in the fireplace, and then we would sit together and we'd watch Bonanza. (laughs) Yeah. And then at the end, we'd roast marshmallows. And then after that, every Sunday night, the three of us, and this was long before my youngest brother was born, the three of us would, would scamper into the bedroom where my mom would already have the book waiting. And we would climb on top of that beautiful white chenille bedspread and feel the little bumps, you know, on our backs and on our bottoms. And I remember one of our favorite books was by one author that has become one of my favorites, E.B. White, who wrote Charlotte's Web. But that's not all E.B. White wrote. And over the years, I've come to just gains such respect for him as he is able to give perspective even in the most difficult of times. Perspective to where life is and what's going on and what the priorities might need to be. And he wrote an essay on this time of year. And I wanted to share that with you this morning. Uh, At least excerpts of this beautiful essay written in 1949. He writes this, To perceive Christmas through all of its wrappings becomes more difficult with every passing year. Sound familiar? As 
we were Christmas shopping, we found an old and small device in one of the antique stores, a, de- a device that helps people who are hard of hearing, and they would hold it to their ears so that they might hear even better. looked very much like a small horn. It would appear that something of this sort is needed today to hear the incredibly distant sound of Christmas in these times, through the dark, material, worldly forests that now surround it. Silent night, canned and distributed in thundering repetition in the malls and department stores, has become one of the greatest of all noisemakers, almost like the rattles, whistles, and yells of New Year's Eve. Well, we rode down the escalator the other morning through the silent nighting of the loudspeakers, while the man in front of us was singing, I'm going to wash this store right out of my head. (laughs) Must have been Black Friday. And yet he continues, the miracle of Christmas is that, like the distant and very musical sounds of a forest, it penetrates finely and becomes heard in the heart over so many years through so many cheap curtain raisers, so many new gadgets and new inventions that must be had. It is not destroyed. It cannot be destroyed, even by all the arts and craftiness of the destroyers having an essential simplicity that is everlasting and triumphant at the end of the confusion. Christmas in these times, he writes, these times of darkness and confusion, these times of fear and insecurity must compete as never before with the dazzling complexities of humanity, whose tangential desires and ingenuities have created a world that gives any simple thing the look of obsolescence, as though there is something inherently foolish in what is simple or quiet or peaceful or even natural. Within each of these inventions, directed seemingly always outward and onward, forward, filled with new complexity, speed and convenience, will they have an odd way of leading back to humanity itself as a rabbit track in the snow leads eventually to the rabbit. It is one of humanity's more endearing qualities, believing it has the answer. And yet that answer continually leads humanity back where it has already been. What they continually believe is that this new adventure, this new device, this new invention will prove to be the ultimate blessing. Yet it is throughout this season that we will realize there is nothing more powerful or even more hopeful as the reflection of a star, of the star, as seen appreciatively on the distant hillside or in the reflection of a pastoral pond. It is there in the simplest of things and most gentle and peaceful of places that we finally and ultimately Perceive Christmas. And the sheep are quiet. And the world is waiting. I love that essay. And it so beautifully describes, I think, what is going on around us today. Black Friday. I don't know how you do it. I don't know why you do it. But what has been disturbing to me is Black Friday has now moved into, I guess, what we're going to call Green Thursday. 
right? Because it's all about the money. It's no longer, it seems, being thankful about gathering around the table simply with each other. It's now being thankful that Walmart opens at 5 on Thanksgiving Day and Best Buy opens at 2. And we know we have to be there. We do. Because we're so anxious to make sure that we have that perfect object at the right price and we're going to pay so much less than anybody else. And yet, I believe that price is exceptionally high. Not monetary, but maybe the price of the heart. My fear is that the words that came out of Harvard Business School in 1989 still continue to ring true today. It was their phrase that talked of marketing. It was the marketing definition phrase that was to identify how marketing was going to be done in the 90s. And yet here we are in 2013 and it still holds true. Fear of loss is a greater motivator than opportunity for gain. Fear of loss is a greater motivator than opportunity for gain. We fear so desperately of losing that Xbox and not getting there in time and then having to pay full price for it. And yet what we should fear is the loss of potential relationships because of that other fear. And somehow we have to weigh these. Somehow we have to come to terms with them. And this time of Advent is there to help us move beyond some of that. It's to help us anticipate and wait to not have instant gratification knowing that we're going to jump directly to Christmas. But to have that time that creates the tension of waiting. Of waiting for. Of understanding what and who and how. And really truly remembering the reason for this season. For us in the church, it's a time of moving from complexity to simplicity. A time which allows for and even builds patient, the kind that can override our need for instant gratification. It is a time that reminds us that the journey, as Dorothy and the Bennetts all read, is equally as important as the destination. And maybe sometimes more important. It teaches us to stop and listen and even enjoy every step of this journey toward Christmas. Every step. As I said, throughout this study of Matthew, and we're going to continue this throughout Advent, I want to remind us again that this was a time of absolute lostness for these who would be hearing these words. Everything, literally everything that they held dear had been taken from them. Even their religion. Everything had been taken from them. And yet here is this voice that rings through the cacophony of those wars. Here is a voice that says to the people walking in darkness, there is in fact a great light represented by even a star. That even though we may feel lost, there are answers to help us be found. There is a light. And it will penetrate. And lest we lose sight of that, I want to show a video, which I know we don't do very often in this service. It's a flash mob. A flash mob. And if you don't know what a flash mob is, you'll see in just a second. 
It's not a mob carrying signs to try and make some point. Particularly these Christmas Eve or these Christmas flash mobs are completely different than that. What they're seeking to do in a very simple way, a very simple way, is to say, let us remember why it is that we celebrate Christmas. So, Jim?
the true sounds of this season will penetrate almost anything. But it's not just the sounds. What will penetrate almost anything are the actions that we take. I thought of Tuesday night at the Crossroads Center and 300 people who ate and probably one of the few hot meals that they will eat this year. And I looked down the line at the families and the individuals from Aldersgate United Methodist Church who were doing this action not out of some need to elevate themselves, but out of a need to be in relationship with others to project a love that they carry for everyone in their hearts. I think of the board out there in the narthex where all those labels were to bring gifts to children who probably otherwise wouldn't get many and how rapidly and readily those disappear and presents begin to somehow miraculously appear at the base of that bulletin board. Not about trying to elevate ourselves, but by trying to bring the message of love, the message of love and hope and peace to a world that needs it so much right now. Friends, this message that we carry, this love that we hold in our hearts as beloved children of God, will penetrate even the Galleria in Redondo Beach, one of the largest malls on the West Coast. It was so interesting watching that because Dorothy and Cora and I used to shop there a lot. But to see the transformation when those voices begin is exactly what can happen if we continue to carry the hope of Christ into a needy world. As we continue to carry the hope of Christ into a needy world. We'll sing it together. We'll be that flash mob. We'll live this out every day. Amen.